I'm so glad to see that you're feeling better. You had a very close call. But you're gonna be all right. Now, just lie still. I'm gonna give you something. It's gonna make you feel even better. Dick's musical fun time, you stupid son of a bitch. Hell yeah, it is. And ow. High five. I'm the beard. I'm the fucking dick. So, this <laughs> this week, I guess I'm, I'm going I'm to start. You starting, boo. So, I haven't done this in a while, but I'm, I felt the need after having to sit through this to do a bad buy, which is usually a... Review for a terrible, awful, no good, stinky pile of shit horror movie that I've mm-hmm, seen recently. Mm-hmm. And there, are, there are those duds out there. Well, so this one was a big budget horror movie that was riding the coattails of what started out to be a decent serial of horror movies, and then after the first one just declined more and more. I am talking about the Nun. Mm. And I have a lot of gripes with it, but I'll I'll get into them. So this movie is, I guess, a spinoff of The Conjuring 2, which I'm not a fan of. No. I know there's a lot of people out there who really like the second one. I'm a huge fan of the first one, always will be. I really Mm -hmm. like that movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think the second one was kind of hot garbage. Mm. And I remember the first time I watched it... I was there. Yeah, I I was like, this is not really that good. And then one day when I was sick... I was, like, real sick for, like, three days. I was at home, lying in bed by myself. My wife was still at work. And I was like, I'm, I'm going to try this this movie again. And I got about ten minutes into it, and I was like, this is fucking garbage. I can't watch this. So, you know, James Wan, pretty good at starting a movie serial. Not good at keeping it going. Anyway, so this movie focuses solely on... The demonic nun from The Second Conjuring. I don't even remember that. That's how unmemorable that movie. All I remember was that that slinky, stinky dude. Yeah, the the crooked man. Yeah, Yeah, I don't... So, okay. Well, (laughs) that in turn is part of my gripe, okay? Okay. So, the... And I realize they're horror movies and they're about ghosts and ghosts are real or they're not real depending on who the fuck you talk to. But the first one felt a lot more grounded in reality, right? And the second Conjuring with the Crooked Man and the things that were happening like really took off a tangent. And that's what I liked about the first Conjuring. It felt more grounded in reality. And don't get me wrong, I like really ridiculous demon movies and, and ghost movies and stuff, but not when you establish a through line. So that idea of really breaking away from the reality of what could be a, an actual haunting, uh, The Nun takes that. And shoves it up your fucking ass and then pushes it out your fucking mouth. Mm, so horny. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway. So, it takes place at this nunnery. And the movie... Big surprise, right? Movie opens up where they, like... There's these two nuns and they open this door 
and the one nun gets sucked in and essentially gets killed by a demon. And Classic nun. Yeah. The younger nun runs off, gets to a window, puts a noose around her neck, jumps out a window. So right off the bat, you're like, okay, nun suicide. I can, I can probably get behind it this. It does make me like, horny. Right? I'm still horny. So after that, some guy in the village, what, what? It was in Romania, I think. I think it took place. Classic nun place. Romania. Yeah, right? So many nuns in Romania. Yeah. There might be. I don't fucking know. I don't think there are. (laughs) I don't know. It's it's a country. I think they've got the Orthodox Church over there, so... Maybe. I guess there's Orthodox nuns, but bummer for them. So, this guy who is French-Canadian who's living in Romania goes to drop off stuff to... I I think they call him Frenchie in the movie. Goes to drop off... I hate the French. He's French Canadian. I double bad. Yeah, I, when I when I heard that, I was like, "What? Why is there a French Canadian person in this movie?" Yeah. Anyway, um, he goes to drop off something, sees the nun hanging there, and somehow it works its way up to Rome, and they send this one priest out there who's like a like a miracle prover or some bullshit. I don't fucking know, but he deals with weird shit like this. And you kind of like sense this like weird thing that they're like, oh, uh, they're not like cool. Like the the cardinals or bishops or whatever. I'm Jewish. I don't fucking know how any of that works. Are not cool with him. Mm-hmm. But it's never explained why, and it's never delved into. So it's kind of a it's kind of Jewish. pointless. No, he's not Jewish. Oh, okay. He's he's some kind of uh, Spanish speaking gentleman okay. originally. He played Bob in um, the Hateful Eight. The Mexican guy. Oh yeah. Yeah. Bob. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's that actor. Okay. And then they so he's like the main. The whole time you're like, why am I not just watching the Hateful Eight? Yeah, especially since movie. they they put out the extended version, which is four fifty minute episodes on Netflix, which I'm going to check eight. out. Yes. Huh. So it's like four hours long. Oh, when they have the title cards, it okay. Yeah. So yeah, each title card's its own episode. Wow. Yeah, kind of interesting. Haven't checked it Especially, out Especially, again, Tarantino, like, you make a big deal about the way it was shot and playing it on 76mm film or whatever, and then you go and put it on Netflix, and it's like, just keep one artistic, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I didn't mention it, but it's directed by Corinna Hardy, who did The Hollow, which I heard was fucking awful, and a bunch of other movies that no one's ever seen. The guy who plays the priest named Father Burke is Demian Bitcher? Beecher? B-I-C-H-I-R. I don't know. And Tysa Farmiga is in it, who I love. Uh, she plays Sister Irene, who's a nun, but hasn't taken her full vows yet. And the way they introduce the character is she's at... she I, I don't... It's like at some kind of school. It might be an orphanage. I don't know. But she's essentially teaching these kids about evolution. And you're like, oh my god, this is a nun teaching. It's such a stupid plot point that... And I guess it... I'll get to it. But anyway, I'm sorry, this movie made me real mad. It sounds fucking horrible. And then Jonas Blockett played Frenchie. So, for one reason or another, the Vatican's like, By the way, Father, you're going to take this nun who isn't actually a nun yet to this place and you're going to figure out what's going on over there. Classic nun plot. And of course, you know, even though 
this priest is working for the Vatican, they don't tell him what the convent was. They don't tell him what was going on there. They give him zero information that would help him at all. Spoiler alert. Yeah, well, yeah, okay, so this movie, I'm just... Yeah, hold on, yeah, we always spoil for bad buys. Yeah. You should already expect spoilers, but anyway. I tell you what happens, so you never have to watch it out of curiosity, <laughs> like me. Yeah. So doing, anyway... Doing the dirty work none of us else want to do. They go out there, they meet They meet Frenchie, and they there's like, there's still blood coming on the steps where the nun hung herself. Oh, how is that possible? It's dumb. And the whole movie doesn't feel like a horror movie. It feels like The Mummy mm. or one of those the like supernatural. Fun, yeah, but like, you know how it's like not actually scary. It's more like a supernatural adventure. Yeah. That's how this movie feels. Yeah, well, but I mean, The Mummy's fun and it like did, but it was intentional. This just sounds like it's not yes. fun, but it's like a not fun it mummy. It feels like it was made by somebody who doesn't know how to make a horror movie. Yeah, that's how it does sound. All like. the scares were very cheap. Yeah. So. Long story short, they get into the convent and they meet the quote-unquote Mother Superior who's wearing a veil. She's very creepy. And the priest is like, well, I need to talk to the sisters to find out why this nun killed herself. And she's like, oh, well, you know, it's going to be locked until tomorrow, so you're going to have to spend the night or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, and here's here's the thing that I've... This, this is what broke me for the movie. This is the thing where I was like... I'm done, but my wife wanted to keep watching it, so I just kept cursory watching it and being on my phone. Mm. The priest wakes up in the middle of the night. He has this story about how a while ago he had a exorcism he did where the boy ended up dying. And he finds out that the sister used to have these visions of the future, fucking whatever. So Which sister? Very... Sister Irene, yeah. Okay. Um... Anyway, he wakes up in the middle of the night, sees the ghost of this boy who he had the bad experience with for the exorcism running around. Fine. He's chasing him down, some creepy stuff happens, and the demon teleports him into a grave. Now, very briefly, they had a Chekhov's gun when they were walking up to the convent. They showed some graves that had the, I can't remember what they're called, but they were the bells that tied to a string, so if they accidentally buried you alive, the bell would go off. That's where the term Saved by the Bell comes from. So they, like, get real intent in that. You're like, this is somehow going to be used. So the demon transports the father into a grave, right? But not only does he transport him into the grave, he creates a gravestone with the father's name on it, buries the father fully, and grows grass on top of the grave. Which, like... Grass, really? And I, I know the reason that all of those things were set up perfectly like that was so the nun in training could come out and not be able to find him because she goes out there and all the bells are ringing, but, like, can a demon grow grass on a grave? I don't fucking know. Do they have that ability? Pure ridiculousness. <laughs> That's where it gets ridiculous. I mean, it's, but, like... Yeah, no, I hear you. I saw that, and I was like... I was actually laughing. And Mariah's like, what's wrong? I was like, this is the most ridiculous fucking thing I've ever seen. Mm. Well, not ever, but... Well, so... The nun in training ends up getting trapped inside the convent all night because they lock it off at night. She finds out that they have had somebody praying constantly, one of the nuns praying constantly for decades, and then finds out the reason behind that 
is some baron or some bullshit, some guy who had money and power, built this place to kill a bunch of people and open up a portal to hell. And as a demon was coming through, the Vatican came through, took him out, and dropped a little bit of Christ's blood into it. Because they had Christ's blood, I guess. Yeah, they have fucking quarts and quarts of it. Yeah. They probably have him somewhere just hanging out, giving blood in the basement yeah. of the Vatican, getting blowies from dudes. Yeah. <clears throat> WWJD. So that's why these nuns were there, to guard this portal to hell. So then bombing the bombings from World War Two happened. And it kind of like shook loose the portal and like nuns started dying and bad things started happening. Yeah, I know. It's fucking ridiculous. And all the other nuns are like, you need to help pray with us. And then the father gets in, but then you find out all the nuns were dead the whole time, which is real dumb. Like, it's not a twist. doesn't feel like a twist. Like, you saw it coming a mile of fucking away. They're all acting weird. It was never a question if the nuns were alive. They were all dead. No one pulled down this nun hanging at the gate. Like, they were all dead. And uh, the very last shot is... She's literally fighting the demon with her hands. <laughs> and American Jesus. They're trying to use this... So, like, the thing they have Jesus' blood in, because it's still there, so they find it, and it's like... Why would the Vatican leave it there? Just in case, you know, fucking... Why wouldn't they just close the... Okay, keep going. Why, why would I question any of this? Why wouldn't they send more than two people? I don't know. Yeah, the Vatican knows it's a For portal a to hell. Portal to hell. Not like, not like <laughs> an unlicensed pharmacist and a half nun. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> so, oh, it hurts. It hurts to hear about there's, it. There's, there's this, there's this scene. The demon like gets inside the the nun in training, and for some reason, all of a sudden, there's all these nuns with bloody bags over their heads. Even though there's nothing in any of the lore that was explained about. Bloody, Bloody bag heads. It's it's called your period. It's about the period. It, it was just there for scare factor, which yeah. which is fine if you're doing that kind of movie. But this is not that kind of movie. Yeah. Anyway, he there's there's a scene where Frenchie's running around with a shotgun trying to shoot at these things, which is fucking hilarious. They end up at the portal, and like the whole room is flooded, and she's trying to. The the nun is training, gets unpossessed. And the demon's trying to take her back, and she's trying to get the blood on it, but it throws it and breaks it, and it goes to pick it up and realizes it's empty. She's holding it in her mouth, so I don't know why she didn't live forever. Spits it at the demon, freaks out, goes into the water, spreads everywhere, portal closes, right? You're like, oh, happy day, happy ending, real dumb ending, it's so bad. <laughs> Nothing feels resolved. And this is how they connected it so the conjuring so you remember in the beginning of the conjuring when they are talking about a demonic possession that they did at that lecture mm -hmm. so the, the, they're at the lecture and the warrants are like talking about it and everything yeah. and they show the guy who has the upside down cross come out of him that guy was Frenchie the French Canadian man who was in Romania that is the loose fucking connection because like they start the movie and I'm like, why Why did this demon come after the Warren specifically? Like, I don't understand. And, like, very last second, they, like, shoehorn that shit in. Don't see this fucking movie. 
All the spin-offs are bad. I kind of liked the original Annabelle only because it's very rare in horror movies that have demons for them to show a full-bodied demon, like with a tail and like, ah, you know, like the whole thing. And they did it in Annabelle, which I thought was kind of cool, but all in all, the movies sucked. And all of the other ones after that sucked. Don't see the nun. Stop giving them money for these fucking sequels. Give money to somebody who makes good horror movies, please. Nobody does. And that's my issue with a lot of big budget horror movies nowadays is you get stuff like this. It felt like paint by the numbers. Like have this but, type but, of scare, scare scare and stuff like that. But I do think that time always is kind to this type of shit where in 10 years, if, uh, if we drank especially, but, you know, or the people that come after us in 10 or 15 years, they'll go back and they'll watch all these fucking horrible movies and they'll have a lot of fun doing it because they'll be like, this is so ridiculous. And we'll, like, to our taste, watching all the Friday the 13th movies will always be better because, like, obviously, subject objectively, they're just, like, more fun to watch. But there will be people who swear by the seventh paranormal activity is, like, the fucking hilarious one. It'll be, like, the Jason Takes Manhattan of paranormal activity. Or Jason X. Yeah, no, yeah, I know. know. But, like, it's just... But it's not... But, like, the people who worked on those movies knew what it was. Yeah. Like, like Leprechaun in the Hood... They knew what they were well, making. Well, I, I, I have to think the people that were working on this movie knew. No. They <laughs> thought they were making a good, truly scary horror movie that would leave people quaking in their boots. And I'm sure there are some people out there who... Every, everyone I've talked to about this movie who doesn't know or watch as much horror as we do... Liked it. Liked it. Yeah. Um, someone goodness. we know... Yeah, I know. ...told me to oh, watch no. this movie. Yeah. I don't... And I, I told him... Yeah. No, I told him. I was like, listen, if it's ever free somewhere... I'll watch it. And it happened to be on HBO the other day, and I was like, Oh, I guess I'm eating crow tonight. Yeah. And like an hour and 40 minutes later, I was like, I'm never getting that time back in my life. That's true, you won't. So don't watch that. Bad Uh, buy. That is a bad. That's a bad bad buy. buy. Bad buy. Don't even watch it for free on HBO right now. Yeah. So is that your your bad buy? That is all I got. Actually, wait, let let me say one more thing. So this is the parents' guide on IMDb. Sex and nudity, none. Violence and gore, severe. Profanity, mild. Alcohol, drugs, smoking, none. Frightening, intense scenes, none. severe. None. Is that a pun? None. None. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, so you can already tell this movie's fucking awful. Okay, well, on that note, should we crack ye old nun, nun, uh... The nun box? I don't know. Never mind. That's bad. That's a bad box. The disco box of the covenant? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dominos Sintos. Okay, 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 okay. So, being the kind of guy I am. The nun soundtrack. Have a theme, have a country in mind, yada, yada. Anyways, I was mocked mercilessly earlier for potentially reviewing yet another Anatomia record, so not this week. No, <laughs> I'll leave it in the disco box. I'll just do it next it wasn't week. wasn't merciless. I know, it wasn't merciless. But, yeah, so I did, I, I've just bought some more <laughs> Anatomia 7 inches, and I also have a split with Coffins and Grudge that I've never reviewed but you guys know that I love Anatomia. If you haven't checked them out by now, I don't know that this will sway you, but whatever. So anyways, I'm not reviewing Anatomia, <laughs> so let's stop talking about it. Um, <laughs> so my first Disco Box recommendation is an album that 
I only listen to a couple times every year if it's even that often, but it hits as hard as a bag full of baseball bats. It's just it's it's like a ton of bricks on your balls. Um, I'm talking about so Japanese sludge doom. Funeral Doom, Drone Doom, Dark Gambian. They're kind of all over the place, but not really. Basically Corrupted, just being Corrupted. Their third proper album called Say Hase. <clears throat> now I apologize, this is in Japanese Spanish. So Say Hase por los suenos asesinos, which translates to It's Made by Murderous Dreams, which is pretty fucking rad. Now, Corrupted does one thing I can't abide, although it doesn't really matter since I don't know Spanish, so I don't know when they're not doing it. But for whatever reason, I'm guessing because at the time that the art for all their albums was done, especially in the 90s, they didn't have... Their Japanese keyboards were lucky to have all of the 26 letters of the alphabet, and they didn't have a way to like literally type uh, hit, like Spanish... Umlauts? Umlauts and whatever, like all those... Uh, accent marks yeah. so none of them are in their titles ever and all their stuff is like improper Spanish I think Umas is for a different language go on yeah it's <laughs> those are the yeah, the, the yeah yeah but like it's the tilde the tilde the, the, that stuff for is just not in there and so for some people it's really bothersome but like whatever they're Japanese dudes trying to sing in Spanish like they're doing their best you know <laughs> and um I met Chu a couple times actually who is the drummer for Corrupted. He runs a record store, at least used to, called Grave in Osaka. And super nice guy. And the one time I was there was with a Japanese friend who introduced me to him proper and acted as our translator. And we just, like, talked about how great Neurosis was for, like, an hour and a half. So was your buddy just standing there, just translating, not being a part of the conversation? No, no, it was all three of us. Okay. Yeah, he, he knew him because he shopped there a lot and was cool with him. And it was, like, super cool guy. They they had... It was such a... It's a tiny little record store. It's a classic Japanese thing with a deep inventory of amazing shit. And I, I spent a lot of money there in the time I lived in Japan. But anyways, this album is really exceptional in the sense of a lot of their albums, El Mundo Frio being the most famous, is, like, a 75-minute long song. And their album before this is one album that's like more doom metal and the other album that's basically just ambient sounds of the world and uh they do a lot of that very sort of heavy atmosphere stuff where there's just no metal for very long periods of time and it drives some people crazy because when they do their metal it's so crushing and in this album they found a happy medium of starting with a 20 minute long acoustic song that's sung in I guess that that one is uh, sung in Japanese, I believe, and uh, is really, really good. Sorry. I have a question. Sure. Why Spanish? I could not answer that for <laughs> you. I believe it was in part as like a political thing. I mean, they're like a very leftist band. They're, they're sort of come out of the crust punk scene, and I guess in a way to bring attention to the plight of like oppressed people in spanish-speaking countries they sang in spanish i don't really know like i don't have an answer that's really interesting to me so yeah so this acoustic opening track is called earth of moonlight is what it translates from you know how to say in japanese 
No, I can't read. <laughs> I can't read kanji. So, anyways, it's it's really exceptional. It's like there's more going on because it's an actual like an acoustic sad song. The voice is phenomenal. The guitar is really good. It it's simple, but it's really nice. And I like to listen to it on my way to work on days where I'm extremely tired. And I've been doing that lately, and it's been nice. And I'm always tired, so it's a good fit. But the real highlight and whole purpose of this album, from my perspective, is the 10-minute middle song called Rado Triste, which is means sad time. And <laughs> it is an awfully sad time when sad Frank's time. listening to it. It is just this huge... I showed Ben a little bit before we started, like, crushing, just doom song. And it's just like... The riff is basically like dun 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 with like a little bit of mix up parts, but otherwise that's essentially how it goes. But it's it is like a fucking massive wall of guitar boom but like just huge, huge and and the vocals of Corrupted are part of what makes it so famous because they're just this totally indecipherable, like massive gravelly like not even a roar, it's just this, like, like I, I, if I could impl- uh, uh, recreate it, I would that. that. plus Japanese people speaking Spanish in it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just its own. I mean, every single aspect of the sound is crushing. Like, that is, that <laughs> is truly the word for it. And I heard this album in college. I feel like, I forget if I downloaded it or, I think I downloaded it and I just had the download for a long time and then I finally got the CD. For a while, the CD used to sell for like $100 minimum all the time and then I eventually got it for like $18 or something. And then got a second copy for 10 bucks at Long in the Tooth one time when I was there and I, I think I gave it to Daffy. But that song is the fucking tits. It's, it's so fucking good. Check it out on... Uh, YouTube. I think my buddy Chris, my old roommate, has it up. He uploaded it himself because nobody else had it. And was like, this is the best song, so fuck off. And personal story, there, there are many connected to this one, but the highlight story is in 2010, around the time of the Super Bowl, there was a massive blizzard on the East Coast of the United States. And I was living in D.C. at the time, and we were completely snowed in for three days. It was like five or six feet of like, it was No, I guess it was four feet of snow in three days. Like they couldn't plow the city. It was just total insanity. We bought hundreds of dollars worth of liquor before (laughs) the day of the blizzard. And then just, and then we watched the, we could walk to the bar on like a foot and a half higher level of snow than where the sidewalk actually was. We get into the bar and then we sat there for an entire day. It was the only time I ever closed a bar. We opened and closed it and we watched the Super Bowl and got like incredibly drunk. And this went on and on and on. For days, I was stuck at Chris's house, and then I went back to my dorm a day later, and then, like, either that same day or the next day, he came back, and then the blizzard, like, there was a second blizzard, and they still hadn't gotten rid of the snow from the first blizzard. It was insanity, and we went to the apartment building that was down the street from my dorm because we ran out of booze and, like, pretty much money, too, and I was like, I think that they... We were going to try to walk to the liquor store, which would have been, like, a two-hour trek in the snow, (laughs) but it was worth it, but I was like, they could be closed, but this dorm has a grocery store in the basement. Maybe they still have booze left. There was almost nothing left, but they had Mickey's Big Mouths, which, if you know... Oh, dude, I fucking love Mickey's. So I bought, like, just as many as I could, and then I saw it out of the corner of my eye, a glimmer, like a black fucking hole sucking in the last bits of light, 
two hurricane high gravity 40s and i was like <laughs> let's fucking do this thing and chris was like please don't and i was you know but it was over i saw them i bought them and i came home and i immediately chugged one as fast as i could and then i bought a bunch of ritalin because i couldn't get any other pills because they were all gone everybody had blistered pilled it out and so I'm like just snorting Ritalin with reckless abandon <laughs> and I start chugging the second hurricane and Chris is like, dude, it's all over. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, you're fucking trash. Like you're done. And I was like, you don't know anything, blah, blah, blah. And so we start listening to music and the girl who lived next to me hated my guts. I always was playing like horrible shit, super loud. And uh, she's already knocking at the door or whatever. And I was like, yeah, fuck this bitch, blah, blah, blah. Get the RA. Like, suck my dick. Like, I'm trapped here, too. You're trapped in here with me. I'm not trapped in here with you. You're trapped in here with me. Exactly. So I am, like, I'm out of my mind. I, I'm i I'm officially full. I mean, I wasn't ever on the reservation at that point in my life. But, like, I was, I was as far as one could get from it. I had found a hole. I think I had walked the circumference of the earth at this point. Chris goes to the bathroom. I tell him before he does, I say, I'm going to lock myself in here later tonight and I'm going to play Rado Triste at full volume and just not like that. That's what I'm doing. And he was like, Phew. goes to the bathroom. I move my entire bed in front of the door. I deadbolt the door. I turn on Rado Triste full volume, repeat one song, finish the rest of my 40 <laughs> and black the fuck out. And an hour and a half later, come to, to like just people like, I mean, half of my floor of my dorm is pounding mercilessly on my door trying to break in but it's like dead bolted so they couldn't even if they <laughs> wanted to and I just like come out of this daze and it's just like boom 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 and I was just like and then meanwhile Crow just and I'm like what the fuck and I, I open the door and I mean and then there was basically essentially no consequence everybody hated me but that was fine and Chris Chris is like not even there he's not even trying to get back in I go into the dorm or into the lounge and I see him in there trash trying to fuck some freshmen and I'm like college that's it so nice yeah huge recommendation that's the kind of music I'm talking about it's 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 just real tune in blackout get dark it's a sad time it's a sad fucking it time is sad time yeah the uh the next song is really good and is like more upbeat but rado triste is just like it just it's not sad time yeah it's not sad time so <laughs> so that's that's disco number one um this will be a quicker one japanese band hell child they're a very interesting band as far as their history goes they started as a sort of thrash slash death metal band with very weird vocals then they kept the vocals and essentially changed their sound every subsequent album they got into some like kind of more normal death metal but their vocals like have never matched anything basically ever that i've heard they're just this like drunken mumbling japanese literally is what it sounds like and then and it's just it's like if you really read the lyric sheet and listen, sometimes you can believe that you're hearing what he's supposed to be saying, but it essentially sounds like the same drunken inflection repeated ad nauseum forever. I quite like it. And there are many who do other people think it's really obnoxious, but they, they went through a lot of different phases and eventually turned into what some people called sludge core, which was like this mixture of hardcore and sludge metal I don't think it's really that like i don't know what to call it it's got like a very hard rock edge right i showed you this one song self scorn from bare skin which is the album i'm recommending um 
but they they have like faster songs and songs with guitar solos that are like really like ooh, like shredding and shit and then and then they got these other ones that are just like it's just bizarre ass shit and I found out about them because they did a split with Converge it's between this album and then their last album Wish and it's it's music that I just have grown to like really love and it there's nothing else like it it's the vocal style is very distinctive so if you don't like it you're not going to probably like what they do but most of their shit especially their US um issues of their releases are pretty cheap or at least were Howling Bull did almost all the issues their first album is still wildly out of print costs like upwards of $100 I'm dying to get it but not anytime soon but this one is a really nice highlight of like their transition from the one before is called a circulating contradiction which is more death metal and this is sort of like incorporating a lot of other weird shit and then wish really goes off into this almost like hard rock death and roll jap japanese like weirdness um it's from 1999 again really good if you want to kind of get a peek at what they do you could check out the deeper is the wound split with converge but those songs are like not there's two live ones a demo one and then one studio track it's not a good primer for hell child like i still got into them in spite of the bad quality but i'd say skip that and should just be buy. where you should start yeah buy buy circulating contradiction or this album it's a really nice taste and that brings me to my last bit so i can't believe i've never recommended this band before they are i can't say that they're one of my favorite bands because I mean, they are and they aren't. I don't listen to them hardly ever anymore. They took a really important role in high school for me, and they led me into tons of music that I listen to a lot more of now. Aerosmith. Aerosmith. No, I've never and will never, ever say that name on this show. You just did. Well, I won't again. We'll say what? That name. What that name? shall not be named. But anyway, no, seriously, uh, I'm talking about the band Connie, who are... Directly related to Sun, Stephen O'Malley was in the band. He was a guitar player. He was in Sun simultaneously. They were one of the extreme, like, extreme doom metal taken to, like, an ultra extreme. And Sun took it to, like, one riff every ten minutes. Connate took it to, like, this... Essentially, it's, like, Chinese water torture as doom metal. (laughs) And... That's pretty good. Yeah, it's... It is extremely unpleasant music and that's mostly or largely it's one of those where everybody contributes in their own special way but alan dubin is the vocalist and his like shrieking is not per se hysterical but is i mean it's just like this shrill extremely unique awful fucking thing and and he he can go into like rasps and whispers and is just like the master of the psychotic killer, you know, that you would kind of imagine like out of, out of like something like crossed or the kind of a, what I imagine a villain from the crow might talk like, or, (laughs) or other, like it has a very, for me, like distinctive dark, like extreme nineties comics villain would shriek like this. The violator. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so, the lyrics are dark the subject matter is dark but it's all has like a level of abstraction the first album is slightly more traditional it's just like very long doom songs with lots of uses of distortion and uh subtle electronics to emphasize the highlight on that one for me and i may review it in full at a later time is this song called skin coat which is like the lyrics are like i put you on a human shield 
uh, you're warm inside, or I'm warm inside, and it's just all about like skinning somebody and wearing them. But oh. in the later part of the song, I thought about making love. No, uh, the vocals get like all these effects on them, and he's just like, I put you on, shh, and it like does this echoing backwards delay, like really, really gets under your skin. <laughs> nice. Yeah. But this, this, I'm recommending their second and album things viral from 2003 on southern lord and this is the masterpiece if there's one conate record it's this one and again much like the corrupted album there's one particular song that sort of negates the need for anything else they could have just ever released this one song it would have been perfect too close enough to touch and <laughs> I, let me talk about the other ones and then i'll come back to this but the album starts off really nice. It's It's got a 20-minute song right out the gate. So it just, you know, if you're not into this, you're going to be eliminated very rapidly. Yes, they are very long songs. Yes, they are very slow songs. It's like the ultimate it's plotting. Like, yeah. And it's not even, and there's no, it's not like a 4-4. Four, four. No. You know, no. this is, it's basically avant jazz at a snail's tempo and the snail is crawling across a razor covered in salt. Like, this is not going to end well for anybody. And the the first two songs have almost some level of familiarity in their structure. Like, there's almost something that feels like you can latch on to it. And the second one, it, called Fields, has all this whispering about, like, I put you under an open field... And then later he's screaming about like, you know, tell me what it feels like, like mother, father, like you like talking about like, you know, can you speak be like in from beyond the veil? And but it's like shrieked and it's just like, just tell me what it feels like. And <laughs> for 20 minutes and I used to go to bed to this shit. Right. And then, and then you get surprised me. You get dead, which is their like sort of single song, and they did this really fucking awesome, super fucked up video where this guy shoots himself in the head in like super slow motion, and his brain like his head splits apart and turns into like butterflies and flowers. Cool. And, yeah, it's almost would be like a fucking really bad metalcore video, but with the soundtrack, it makes it less cheesy. And he spends like a lot of time like before he blows his brains out, but he eventually does. It's fucking sick. And then you get to Too Close Enough to Touch, which starts off with, like, the quote-unquote riff, but it sounds really distant, and it does it a couple times, and then I showed this to you. Yes. Then it kicks in, and it's like, what the fuck? And you get immediately these oscillating electronic sounds that just are, like, these horrible squiggling, like, amping, plugged-in, kind of, like, penetrate-your-brain electricity String shit. slides and... And, like, string movement, but it sounds like someone's, like, taking leather and, like, twisting yeah, it. Yeah, or, like, running, like, a like a quarter over their guitar string. It's all this just, like, it, like everything is as tense and as, as, like, just close to breaking as humanly possible. It's like a spring, like, completely, like, maxed out, you know what I mean? Or a rubber band, except for the band's made out of, like, aluminum and <laughs> it's... Aluminum and pain. Yeah, I think of it, besides describing it as Chinese water torture, it's like watching a band fall down the stairs with all their gear in ultra slow motion. <laughs> it's like that shit in Planet Earth. And then there's a guy like narrating it by screaming. And the lyrics are like perimeter outside, uh, ugly, like cold, dismal, gray, 
can't get back like inside ugly things viral can't go back and what are just like essentially like simple words the way that they're screamed whispered and etc in the string that they're like they it is for me like i'm getting the chills just talking about it now it is so extremely effective and just like i think the big thing for me is maybe it's surprising maybe not I used to take a shitload of DXM and listen to this. Huh. Yeah. In high school. And like, it was fucking terrifying. And like, but like, this is the kind of glutton for nightmare punishment that like, this is why I got into power electronics because like, that was like what I did for fun when I was doing drugs. Like, you know, this is why I, people didn't want to hang out with me. Like <laughs> I put this shit on and they're like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And it's unpleasant if you're not high, when you're high, it's like the furthest thing from what you would ever want, you know? And I'm like, no, this is what I seek out. I would lay there and I would listen. And this song was like, as, as close to the physical sensation of your body dying that TXM provides you as a song. Like, yeah. this is it. And when he starts screaming about like ugly inside dismal can't get back, like that's how I felt about myself on like a, like a moral, like social ethical, like, like I was as a human being and then like on a physical level and then in a, like a mental state, like I'm tripping and broken it like touches a bunch of shit for me and then I'm like tripping to it and it's it is like super unpleasant and as the song goes on it gets further from even like the remote sense of musicality that it starts with into this horrifying like it sounds like there's an earthquake happening in the studio and the drums are just like it's the cymbal work and 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 like they're all the electronics, like it, it sounds like this like massive compression and like shaking and it's just and just it it's like it's just fucking terrifying. And then the the very last seconds of it are like what was he say, dismal inside or ugly? Like it's just and it like it has the, all the air getting sucked out and his like lyrics become very loud for like one second and then it just cuts and like if you take DXM the way I did and you listen to that, like you are devastated. Like you were destroyed by the time that is over. And but don't take DXM kids. Seriously. It's not a great idea. It, <laughs> it fucked me up. And so, yeah, I have to, I have to recommend this because, <laughs> cause it makes me want to die. Yeah. It's, and I think that you, you know, you obviously don't have to take mind altering substances to enjoy or experience like the sort of nightmare realm i would recommend headphones and a pitch black room though. yeah nobody else wants to hear what you're doing and it has <laughs> to be extremely loud um for max effectiveness but it's just one of those things that like there's a lot of shit that gets thrown in bands related to southern lord and that sort of whole thing that happened with sun and whatever but Connate are indisputably awesome as far as I'm concerned. And you can say whatever you want about Sun, but like Connate did what they did, I thought, extremely well. And everything everybody's done subsequently does not like nothing matches this intensity as far as it's sort of like power electronics at its most terrifying or harsh noise at its most like punishing and they do that with doom metal in a way that's just it basically is like closer to performance art and avant-garde stuff than anything else is. And, um, uh, like to this day still shakes me. Like it's, it's really fucking good. So. Hell yeah. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. But you know, 
kind of hate myself. Yeah. So. <laughs> Just a quick coda. Their last album, which was barely even an album, and was sort of a, it was a whole thing. But the last song on it is called Every Goddamn Thing. And it's 30 minutes long, and it's just, like, basically the sound of, like, stuff getting plugged and unplugged and all this, and there's, like, barely any vocals, and then at the one part, it just, like, cuts, and he's like, every goddamn thing, and your payoff is, at that point, it's so built, it's just, like, this is better than that. Like, I really like that, but that's, like, a lot. That's a fucking slog. <laughs> this is, this is the perfect, this is when they got everything perfect, so. Nice. Alright, are you ready to close this disco box? Domine! Santos! So, guys, thank you for listening to a, another episode of the Bearded Dicks Musical Fun Time. We have a new intro now. It should be on all of our episodes by the time this airs. It'll be on everyone except for the first one. We did that awful, like, Bearded Dicks Musical Fun Time! Like, where Yeah, I'm... that one you have to suffer through still. Yeah. Uh, but let us know what you think, guys. You can reach us at our... The, the Gram, the Facebook, the Gmail. Yeah, and uh, you can find me at, at Ben the Beardo on Instagram. And what is the... Cochleo Mio Homnivorix. Yeah, just go to our SoundCloud <laughs> and, and find him there, because yeah. you're not going to be able to spell that. Yeah, or you can look on the, the Motel Hell Instagram, and I'm tagged and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh... Later, nerds. Later.